Ladies and gentlemen, Talkamaniacs, we have a treat for you tonight. With me now is a legend in the squared circle and the octagon. He's the first UFC super fight champion, first pancreas champion, four-time UFC heavyweight champion, first UFC Hall of Fame inductee, intercontinental champion, tag team champion, king of the ring, ladies and gentlemen, the world's most dangerous man, Ken Shamrock. Thanks for joining us, Ken. Hey, thank you for that induction, and thanks for having me. Oh, I didn't miss anything there. <laughs> yeah, you missed a few tough man champions, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely, I know. But I'm trying to, trying to nail all the, all the ones there that stood out, and uh, at the same time, I mean, you know, you're a man of many accomplishments, so uh, definitely wanted to do you credit on that introduction. But again, I know you've been really busy. Uh, I know you're promoting your tour at the same time, so again, we really, really thank you for spending some time with us today. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Awesome. So before we get into things, uh, tell listeners about your current live tour, An Evening with Ken Shamrock. You know, what's it all about? Where are you hitting up? Let us know a bit about it so the listeners can, I guess, find out what's going on and hit up your shows. Yeah, I'm not going to list all the towns I'm going to be at because uh, they'll be listed when people want to go see. But I'm going to Canada. I'm going from one end to the other end of Canada. I want to make sure that um, something that I've always... Um, respected and honored the fans for what they were doing for me during my career allowed me to live the lifestyle and be able to do what I love to do without the fans. I would not be able to do that. So now I get an opportunity now that my career is kind of at the end, I get to go out and actually do meet and greets and do autograph signings and charity events and be able to just meet different people and find out, um, you know, the ideas and some of the thoughts that people had of why they followed me, why they watched me and, how important it was for them to watch me. At the same time, I want to let them know how important they were to me in my career while I was in the ring, hearing them scream and yell, uh, and how much it meant to me for them to support me. That's awesome. And I think a lot of fans really appreciate that. Um, obviously, you seem really humble with the success you've had. And again, you've had a great following. Uh, I mean, Canada loves you. The world loves you. Uh, you know, we're a podcast from Montreal. So again, you know, we want to also plug the fact that you will be in Montreal on June 6th for your show. So fans, check that out in Montreal at the Piranha Bar. Uh, we'll be talking more about that on our social media as well, too. Uh, again, Ken Shamrock, he's on tour. You don't want to miss this out. Uh, talking about Montreal as well at the same time, Ken. So 1997 Survivor Series, I was actually there. Um, obviously, that event was known for, uh, you know, for a lot of different reasons. But at the same time, I was really excited to see you. You're one of my favorites going into the Attitude Era. That night, we saw you take on uh, the Nation of Domination. You ended up forcing The Rock to tap out. Uh, it was an amazing matchup for me. I always liked the energy and aggression that you were going to bring into it. Uh, you know, you had a really successful year, 97, and all through 98 as well, too. Uh, with The Rock. You had him tap out at Survivor Series. You went on to have an amazing match with him at WrestleMania 14. You ultimately beat him to win the King of the Ring as well, too. So looking back at The Rock now, we know the success he's had, uh, not just in wrestling. He's one of the biggest stars in the world. Now, we, we, you know, The Rock's had feuds with Austin. He's had feuds with other people as well. But there's no denying that you played a significant role in The Rock's development. And when I look back at The Rock, I think of The Rock and Ken Shamrock and the great stories you told together. So why don't you take us through a little bit of what it was like working with The Rock and the experiences you had. Yeah, working with The Rock was really, really professional. It was a guy that you knew when you uh, walked in that day uh, to a big event that he was going to show up and that he was going to be there and he was going to do his job. And so I was very happy and very excited to work with him because I knew day in and day out we were always going to push each other to the highest level. 
And so to be around him was also a joy because he was loose, he was fun, he, he was exciting. Uh, he was just a great guy outside the ring also. So for me, the experience I had with him was really second to none. Like I said, when people ask me, you know, some of my favorite uh, things in, in in the WWF at the time, and that would be one of them, my, my uh, actual um, time that I was able to work with him and have those those matches with him were some of my favorite memories. Awesome. And on, on the note of the King of the Ring as well, too, I was curious. So I was going back and I was watching some of your old footage recently and I was watching the King of the Ring finals. Um, when did you know you're going to go over in that tournament? Is that something you found out later on the night of or did you know going into it you were going to be the man? Uh, yeah, I didn't know when they told me, but I knew going into the ring that I was going to be the one put over, but I didn't. Like I said, I didn't, uh, I don't remember the day I found out, but, uh, you know, even when you're told you're going to be put over, it, it's, it's almost like you, you, until it happens, right? You don't go in thinking I'm getting put over. You go in thinking, man, I got to put on a great match. I got to really do my job here because a lot of things can happen in there if you're not aware and that you're not doing your job. You could get hurt. Um, you could hurt someone else. Um, or a mistake could happen and somebody else ends up winning. So, so uh, you, you've got to make sure that when you're going in there, you're not thinking about I'm the guy being put over. You think about, hey, you know, I got to do my job. I got to go in there and I got to work hard. I got to make this look good. Everybody's got to do their job. And this thing turns out if it's a great show and, and everybody was excited on, on how everything went, then, then it's a great time for everyone and it's a great time to be put over. But if it's a flop and it doesn't do well, who cares who gets put over? So mm. it's really about everybody doing their job and having great matches. What a selfless answer. And I agree. And it, again, looking back on it, it was an amazing matchup. I think you guys delivered. You told the story that needed to be told. And I think the fans couldn't have been happier. I was thrilled to see you win the King of the Ring. And again, it's a tournament that I'm a kind of a little bit, um, I miss it, you know? The King of the Ring was an awesome right. event. I like King of the Ring because it, it separated at least one guy that um, the company and also the wrestlers felt like that they were going to move forward. You know, they were going to get pushed. And it felt like every year when someone won that King of the Ring that they did some great things to move on. And it gave the, the fans a heads up of like, hey, look out for this guy. Mm, and I mean, who more to look out for than Ken Shamrock? I mean, 97, 98, some could say, you know, Stone Cold had a pretty good couple of years there, but you yourself, the amount of time that you were with the WWF, I mean, the things that you did were amazing. But before we move on from The Rock, I had to ask one question because this is something that I had to kind of go back and watch a few times just because of how intense it was. I got to ask you, Ken, that chair shot The Rock delivered, it was insane. So was that your idea to take it face on? or And, and how did that feel? Yeah, I when they when they told me that I was going to take the chair shot, I was like, I'm not taking it in the head. I'll take it in the back, but um, this one required a, a head shot. And so I said, you know, if you're going to do it, hit me in the face. Wow. And Rock looked Rock looked at me bewildered, like what? I said, just aim for my face. He goes, you're on your knees. You want me to hit you in the face? I said, Rock, just do it. I'll take care of myself. You won't be responsible for it. Just hit me in the face. And Rock looked at me and he goes, okay. I said, and bring it. He goes, oh, I will. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, was that before you guys headed out? Was that backstage or that was actually during the segment itself? No, that was actually before we headed out. We were in the back. It was a few hours before we were going over some stuff. And we, he, he told me that there was going to be this chair shot he was going to take. And, and they were gonna, he was going to hit me in the head. And I was like, dude, you're not hitting me in the back of the head. 
He goes, well, what do you mean? It says, hit me in the face. And he got just like, what? Oh, <laughs> I man. said, hit me, hit me in the face. He's like, you're out of your mind. I said, don't worry about it. I'll take care of myself. Just hit me in the face. <laughs> so he looked at me like all crazy like, and I was like, dude, I'm serious. I said, I won't take it in the head. I won't. He goes, all right, it's your call, man. I said, and I said, bring it. And he says, oh, I will. Because, <laughs> yeah, if you look back, it looks like you're asking for it as well, too. And, man, you deliver it. To me, it goes down as one of the most memorable chair shots definitely of all time. And, man, uh, much respect for taking that one face on. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is, is that Mick was so jealous that he went out and took three of them after <laughs> that. <laughs> so, 98, huge year for you. You you also won the IC title, tag team titles. So, Again, we talked about 97, 98 being huge years for Ken Shamrock. Did you expect that much success so quickly after making the crossover from MMA to pro wrestling? No, I didn't. You know, I didn't know what to expect, to tell you the truth. Um, I went into it because I didn't really have anywhere else to go um, to be able to at least keep using my skill sets that I developed over the years of uh, being so dominant in the no holes bar generation. Uh, and I couldn't make a living there anymore, so I had to make a move. And so Vince was the one that really you know, stuck his hand out to me first and really brought me in and, and uh, gave me a great deal. And so when I got there, I just like, you know, I was just kind of going with the flow, like, okay, you know, well, I'm here, you know, I'm going to do, do my best uh, to try to, you know, one, do what I need to do, but two, protect my reputation, you know, because I just didn't want to have this thing I had built for so long and then go into pro wrestling and have it destroyed by this fake stuff. And um, thank God, man, that when we got into this thing, that Vince had an idea. Um, there was guys like Stone Cold and, 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 St and Steve uh, Blackman and, you know, Bret Hart. And just the names go on about the guys that took a lot of pride in their matches. And they didn't want people to laugh at them when someone would throw a punch and it was three feet away and the guy took a bump. So I was really happy to be a part of that generation, a part of those guys, because they all took pride in what they did, and they, there's no way they wanted people to look at them and laugh. And so um, I was, like I said, I was, I was very happy with the way things turned out. Yeah, fantastic. And I think a lot of the fans were as well, too. I mean, again, you know, we talk about Ronda Rousey making the transition now, but again, you know, in my eyes, definitely the most successful transition. You came in, you know, guns blazing, you worked your ass off. I mean, you know, people saw it in your aggression, the way that you worked. And at the same time, you got to work with a lot of amazing superstars and in a really amazing era. So it was really, really cool to see the way that they integrated you and the way that you kind of just took the ball and ran off. I'd like to see Ronda Rousey. It's a shame that they're, they're not letting her be who she was in the, in the UFC. You know, when she came out, she never smiled. She came out, she was a dominant force. She was a, she, people feared her. And now they got her walking in, laughing and jumping and goofing around. And I'm like, man, don't do that. That's not who Ronda Rousey is. She's a, she's a force to be reckoned with. So you feel like she should be playing more of a tough guy, right? Yeah, absolutely. This right. Rowdy Roddy Popper thing is fine. I think it was a great play on words. But don't be Roddy Piper. Be Ronda Rousey. I think that's a big thing. They're trying to kind of recreate something. And I hear a lot of people saying, oh, they're because they're having her feud with or Stephanie McMahon, right? So you had Stone Cold, Mr. McMahon. They're trying to do 
Ronda Rousey potentially doing Mrs. McMahon. So they're having her come out and they're trying to capture lightning in a bottle, making her a stone cold. But the thing is, or they they had talked about that or it's been rumored, but they don't shouldn't do that. They should make her Ronda Rousey. You shouldn't be trying to recreate somebody. Just let her be herself. Now, I don't know if her coming what? out and smiling might be because she's really excited to be there. She's trying to keep it in. But I agree with you. She should come out there and be badass. She should be Ronda Rousey. She should be aggressive. Ronda Rousey is the Ken Shamrock of women. I mean, when she dominated that organization, she dominated it. I mean, she had a fierce look in her eyes. She went out. She did the job, right? She had a bad couple, two matches in the end, but whatever. She goes into pro wrestling, and what everything, everything that she is is now being left in the dust. I guess I have one more question for Ronda, right? So, so her match at WrestleMania, right? I mean, I think she surprised a lot of people because she wasn't wrestling. She kind of came out. And when she does turn it off and she is aggressive, I think she definitely looks a lot better. So do you think she has her first one-on-one match coming up at Money in the Bank? Do you think she's going to fare well? Do you think the WWE is going to be a long-term thing that could be good for her? Or do you think it could be something that might sizzle out? What do you think her longevity is going to be? Or is that up to her ultimately? Well, I think really that's up to her. You know, I think she has all the tools and, and she has the work ethic and she has the determination to be able to work and be successful. I really do. And she's got the right people around her to, to educate her and give her the psychology of wrestling. And I think she's going to be fine. I think she's going to be a superstar. But, but at the same time, I, I just I hate to lose Ronda Rousey to another character. She was so dominant in the UFC. I just... I would like to see her be dominating in pro wrestling as, as, as who she was. Well, hopefully the WWE realizes that too. They don't ruin this opportunity and we see the Ronda Rousey that we should be seeing. I think she's going to be a superstar either way, whatever they do with her. I just think she has all the tools to do that. I just, like I said, me as a, as a crossover and I just hate to see that thing that has been, everything that she's put into it from the time she was five years old, to that present time is now going to be all trashed. So we talked about some of our our favorite superstars that you worked with, Bret Hart, uh, Steve Blackman. We talked about Stone Cold Steve Austin. So one of my personal favorites was Shawn Michaels. I know you had a program with him. I actually really enjoyed that program. I think it's underrated. Uh, but we know Michaels had a reputation for being a tough guy to work with backstage, especially in that time. Did you experience that during your program with him at all? Uh, as being a tough guy? Or more of like hard to work with, maybe trying to pull some politics backstage. Absolutely not, man. Every time I worked with Sean, it was uh, it was really good. He he was very respectful. Um, I was respectful to him. He was a great. Um, he's and I, I of course I you know like I said he's I mean he's he, he's one of the best in the business. So I was very fortunate just to be working with him. So I was definitely uh, happy to be working with him. And so um, I got to be able to put a few things in there. And he said, Yeah, cool, we'll do it. So it wasn't like uh, I ever had any issues with him. He was always really straight up, and, and it was always a good uh, conversation and a good match. So I never had problems with him. Cool, great. And you guys tore it up together, I mean, multiple times. And in that match at Degeneration X in your house, loved it, loved it. And uh, again, you guys did magic together, as you did with many superstars you stepped in the ring with. And talking about magic, we need to talk about WrestleMania 13. Bret Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin. You're thrown in the middle of this match, a special guest referee. Turns out to be one of the biggest matches in WrestleMania. Kind of ushers us into the Attitude Era. You know, how did it feel being involved in this moment, looking back at it now, and you know, noting the impact that you actually had in the birth of the Attitude Era? Yeah, it was crazy because I know um, I had a lot of mixed feelings going into it. You know, I mean, 
um, I remember thinking to myself, like if I was wrestling myself, I could you know, do what I needed to do. But in this one here, it was like I was going in and refing this match with uh, Stone Cold and Brett. I knew who they were. I knew they put on great matches. But in my mind, I was thinking, I'm going to go in and ref this match. And if one of the punches don't land or they're going to, you know, lay down and cry because one of the punches didn't land or something, how am I going to respond to that being who I am as this no holes barred tough guy? I says, I don't know how to, I don't know how to sell that. I don't know how to represent that. And so I remember when the match got started and here I had all these thoughts in my head, the match gets started and probably about five or 10 minutes into the match, I'm thinking I'm completely locked into this match. It's like, these guys are literally beating on each other, man. And it was like, I felt like I was refing an MMA match. And I, like I said, I had, man, when that thing was over, man, I was like, oh my goodness, these guys really went after one another. And I was like, that, that launched me into, into my career going, okay, I, I made the right decision. Amazing. That's great. Great way to hit, great way to describe it. And at the same time, I mean, it was an amazing match. We saw the double turn and the fact that it motivated you in your career as well, too, is phenomenal. But I think people Well, under- just think hey, just think just think about this. You're talking about Stone Cold and Bret Hart with the double turn. And then you see these guys beating on each other. I mean, they literally went after one another and and, and they had that match literally be the thing that changed pro wrestling into the attitude error with me wrapping it come from the holes bar with Bretton and stone cold, just literally beating the hell out of one each other. I mean, there couldn't be a better represent representation for the, the, the attitude error was that match right there. Absolutely. And that's why it will go down in time as one of, if not the best or most story told match in WrestleMania history. And for you to be a part of it, that must've been amazing. That was exciting, dude. I knew after that match was over, listening to the crowd, watching those two guys, I knew something special had happened. And I hadn't been in pro wrestling at all. You know, I mean, this was my very first time being in the ring, really working a match. And here I was standing there looking at this and being able to take it in and go, dude, this is special. It was. And talking about the attitude error, so I don't know how much you keep up with the current program, but um, how do you feel about the current product that WWE is putting out? What would you change about it? I think um, definitely the storylines. Um, it just seems like we're, we're missing the toughness. Uh, we're missing the, the different storylines with like the Lions Den match and the and the uh, the circle where you got iron cars out there and you're in the middle with the lights on fighting like a bare knuckle fight. Um, you know, the chasing Stephanie around into the cellar where the, they got kidnapped and you, you got the, the union and, uh, you know, you got the stampede, the Canadians against the Americans. And just it seems like we're missing all those big events, all those those big storylines. Yeah, I agree. And it feels like they're focusing a lot on more like the bubblegum pop aspect, social media, you know, like, so to me, they're missing a lot of that. Maybe it's just me being more of an old school fan, but I definitely agree with you. The aggression's missing. The storyline storytelling isn't as what it once was. So I do hope we get back there at some point in time. But uh, again, uh, a little bit disappointing in terms of the production right now and the storylines that we're getting. It's just not the same thing, that's for sure. And I don't know if it's because, you know, we're PG now, we're not in the Attitude Era, but, you know, there, there has to be a way to kind of meet a middle ground where you can still do both. Well, and I think, too, you, and I don't know this for sure, but maybe it's just because you had guys like Bret Hart and Stone Cold and The Undertaker and, you know, myself and, and uh, you know, you had uh, you know, Billy Gunn and Road Dogg, uh, Shawn Michael. You just had all these different guys there that 
really play great roles in, in determining these storylines. And I don't know, maybe they're just missing the characters and they're not developing the characters with the storylines. It definitely could be that as well, too, because, I mean, geez, we had so many amazing characters back in the day that told so many stories inside the ring and in the wrestling as well, not just their promos. So hopefully the WWE finds a way to channel that and get back there. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you as well, too, you know, we know you are the master of the ankle lock. You know, Kurt Angle came along. He jacked your move. You know, what are your thoughts <laughs> on that? You know, did you have you ever talked to him about it or did you get to have to give him your blessing or what's the story behind it? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think um, anytime anybody takes something and they copy it, it's it's basically honoring you. I don't know why people get mad when people do that, because really it's a compliment. Uh, people think it's good enough to be copied. And that's the way I look at it. Uh, just like with the arm bars and all the other submissions being done in the pro wrestling ring now, there's so many of these things in spots now. Instead of being rest holds, they're actually spots. Finishers, yeah. And so I, I've actually looked at it and said, you know what? I'm proud of that because I was responsible for changing wrestling. I think a lot of people underestimate and maybe a lot of the younger viewers or listeners should go back and really, you know, check out some of Shamrock's footage because I guess in my opinion, I'm not just trying to rub your ego here, but you played a really crucial role in terms of the WWE in the time period that you were there in terms of ushering the Attitude Era, the development of The Rock, you know, everything that you kind of did with the time being there. And then your crossover from MMA to WWE, we're talking about, you know, now we're using uh, arm bars and sleeper holds and ankle locks or finishers. And, you know, the, I, I don't really feel there's too many of those technical, solid technical wrestlers around now. But at least, I guess, for my, maybe I like them a little bit too much that I'm wishing to see a bit more. But definitely, you know, there's that tribute there. The ankle lock, they gave the Jack Swaggers as well, too. Kurt Angle made a career out of it. I mean, the guy was a phenomenal wrestler. I wouldn't say he made a career out of the ankle lock. But again, at the same time, it was definitely a tribute. And whenever he put it on, I definitely thought of Ken Shamrock. But again, I mean, nobody did as, as good as you did. When you lock it on, you lie down, you wrap yourself around their leg. When you snap, I mean, come on, there's nothing like it. Well, you got to have the intensity to go with it. And then you got to be able to back it up with a lot of other different submissions to set it up. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's it. I think it's the intensity that you had. And it was really believable. I mean, it was, and I, to some degree, I have to believe that was just you going out there and doing your thing and being you. It was me. I was, I was definitely intense. And I, that's what I would do in a fight, man. I would be so intense. I wouldn't scream or yell, but that was all the anger and the frustration and desire to win that I would have inside going into a fight that I would let out before I went into the pro wrestling ring. Yeah, and there were so many, uh, I was watching a lot of your footage, and again, you had that intensity, and I can't remember how many matches ended off with you kind of just, you know, losing it and whipping around some referees left and right. I loved it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was that was a fun time. Because, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you ended up making The Rock tap out at WrestleMania 14, which is a huge accomplishment. You know, you finally beat him, and then, and then you wouldn't let go of the ankle lock, because that's how much you wanted to make him suffer. They ended up reversing it, and you just laid all the refs out. It was amazing. Loved it. Well, the thing is, too, it's, it's about the storylines when you exactly. think about all the struggles that I went through with The Rock, you know, putting nunchucks in my shorts, being screwed on a bunch of different things that we were doing, being the, the title being reversed on me, and then I finally get them. I finally submit them, and then I don't let go. So all that culmination of the frustrations and not being able to finish him because he was cheating all the time, and then that one moment where I got to get his ankle and I got him, I wasn't going to let go of it. Yeah, and it was awesome. I loved it. Uh, I got to ask you, though, uh, we were talking about uh, all the old wrestlers that you used to get in the ring with. Uh, you know, you worked with Owen Hart, and we just passed the anniversary of Owen Hart's passing. 
Maybe you could share a story or memories about working with Owen Hart. Yeah, I know with the dungeon, uh, it was a really a great time with him um, being able to work in the dungeon match. And um, he, he, me and him working that match out, he was a really a talented individual. But I got to see him around his family and I got to see him around his brothers. And he was just a genuine person. And he was a tremendous worker in the ring, man. That guy had a really good handle. And I'm not sure why he wasn't used more, but he was tremendous. Um, but he was a better person out of the ring. And a really good family man, loved his kids, loved his wife always trying to get back home early. And so, man, I really respected that guy. And for somebody like him to pass away, I think it really hurt the character of pro wrestling. Absolutely. And again, I remember looking back at some match with Owen Hart, Bret Hart, uh, WrestleMania 10, I believe it was. You know, just some of the matchups he put on, I thought Owen Hart was very underrated. And uh, just, again, the stories you hear about him outside the ring just make him look like even more of an amazing person. So again, thanks for sharing your thoughts on him. Uh, before we wrap up, I have one quick question. So, if you could have a dream match or a match with a current WWE superstar, who would that be? Well, uh, well I've got a couple of them. You know, I've already mentioned um, Brock Lesnar because he was a crossover. Um, then I mentioned Kurt Angle because of the ankle lock match. And then, of course, The Rock, which was never finished. Here's a new one for you that I thought, you know, here's a guy that developed his character after NHB No Holds Barred, basically me. Um, I thought, you know, that would have been a op great opportunity to get in there and really work with somebody whose their whole demeanor is all about that, that world of Noel's Bard. And, and that would be um, that, uh, what's his name from the WCW? Um, uh, I just got a ball head, was a heavyweight champion for a while, used to spear everybody. Goldberg? Bill Goldberg. Goldberg. I thought if I could have a match with him, because like I said, I believe that he really, he really built his character off that no holes barred image. And I thought, man, it would have been a great opportunity to really do a match with him. Wow. I hadn't thought about that, but Ken Shamrock and Bill Goldberg in the ring at the same time money. I'd love to see that. That's excellent. Great answer. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Booyah. All right. So I got to ask, so what's next for Ken Shamrock? You have your tour now. What else is going on? Yeah, we got a, uh, we've got a, um, a podcast that we do world's most dangerous podcast. And, uh, that's how we really get to, to get messages out, be able to talk with people, give our ideas, our thoughts on things going on in the world. And so for us, it's really a great opportunity to stay in contact with our, with our fans. But really the best way I think to do that is to be able to go to our website, kinshamrock.com. I got all my social media sites on there. The podcast is on there. Um, check it out. If you want to know where we're at, where we're going, uh, we'll also have the the um, places that we'll be at. Um, we'll also have those listed uh, in your local area. So if you're interested in coming down and checking out and um, asking some questions or just being a part of the party, uh, come on down, man. We'd love to have, speak with all of you, and uh, let's have a good time. See you soon. Awesome. That sounds amazing. And for those in Montreal, June 6th, Piranha Bar, 680 St. Catherine Street, downtown Montreal, 7.30 p.m., Awesome venue. I've been there plenty of times and can't wait to see the show. Once again, Ken Shamrock, thank you. This has been a pleasure and an honor. And before we wrap things up, anything else you want to say to our listeners? No, hey, thank you for the support over the years. And I look forward to speaking with you when I'm down there and having fun. So there you have it, folks. Our interview on Talkamania with the world's most dangerous man, Ken Shamrock. He'll be touring and he's going to be hitting up Montreal June 6th, Piranha Bar, 680 St. Catherine Street, downtown Montreal at 7.30 p.m. Make sure to check him out online on the World's Most Dangerous Podcast. 
And thanks again for listening. In the meantime, this is Desmino signing out for Talkamania. Talkamaniacs, take it easy. See you next time.